Welcome to Disney A History, a podcast where we discuss the history of different Disney characters and their impact on pop culture throughout the ages. My name is Lauren, and along with my co-host Abby, we thank you for joining us on this magical adventure. On this episode of Disney A History, we will be discussing Snow White's origins, what Walt Disney Animation Studios did with the story, and the impact she has had on pop culture. The first thing we wanted to discuss in talking about the Grimm fairy tale versions is the purpose of the fairy tale and why they were written. So fairy tales and fables were written to give a moral lesson and to entertain. And adults would often share these stories with other adults while working, kind of like podcasts. They would look at their friend and be like, hey, I'm bored. Can <laughs> you tell me a story that you have in your, you know, mind, your wheelhouse? And uh, they would share the stories with each other. And then later on that night, they would go home and share it with their families. So I thought that was something fun. Um, that that's that's how fairy tales came about was just sharing it with uh, your coworkers while you're mining for diamonds for the evil queen. <laughs> it was also a good way to keep it from changing too much because if you ever played a game where you have to keep on repeating a message till it gets to the last player, it always changes. So this kept it uh, to be like one story where everyone heard the same thing, which is really nice so that our story of Snow White is pretty similar to their version of Snow White back then in 1812. Similar enough to know that it's the same story and that it's based on the same thing, yeah, for sure. But different enough to make it safe and not rated R, because if we were to do a completely gory version of this, like a traditional, like, and show every bit of it, I that's not something I would want to watch on film. <laughs> It's fun to read about for sure, but yeah, I wouldn't want to watch it either. Especially where, um, like, it was just so gory. Like, I really see why they made them edit it down to be a little more family friendly. Yeah, because uh, the Grimm brothers actually published seven different variations of their fairy tales. They had different collections of the same stories because they would submit it to the editor and they'd send it like they would publish it and then be like but actually like can we make this not as gross because we don't want children to be afraid of their own parents <laughs> yeah so um i think the best way to go into this is to tell you a little bit about the original version and the really cool thing about that like lauren just mentioned is that the evil queen was originally supposed to be snow white's mother which sounds okay until you start reading it to your kids and they start getting scared of their mother when they're going to bed. Like, ooh, is she going to get jealous of me? Is she going to try to, like, murder me one day? Which was not good, so they had to change it to Step Queen. And then on top of that, to make step it... Mother. Step Mother Queen. <laughs> but on top of that, not only was she just scary, but she actually ate the organs that was supposed to be Snow White in the original story. That is straight up disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I could handle that version if Disney decided to draw that in there. Uh, another part of the story that's different from the animated version is the fact that the queen disguised herself three separate times to be able to trick Snow White into dying because each time she would go 
she would go knock on her door disguised, try to give her something, and then she'd go back home to her mirror and ask the mirror who's the fairest in the land or whatever. And the mirror would say, ah, Narcissus is still Snow White, and she's a thousand times fairer than you. And so she would get mad again and go dress up as something else and go back. She did this three times. And Snow White was like, oh, yeah, come on in. It's okay. Kids, don't talk to strangers in the middle of the woods when you know that your stepmother hates you or real mother in some one variation. So, yeah, the purpose of this story was um, to tell kids, you know, don't talk to strangers. But there are a lot of fairy tales that tell us not to talk to strangers. <laughs> this one just happens to be a little bit more, I don't know, juicy than others. But, like, at least in the other fairy tales, usually the person trying to kill you isn't your blood relative. So Girl. you don't have to worry as much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That That is wild. Like, yeah, definitely would not want to read my child a story of the actual mother so but yeah af of seven different variations only one of them is her actual mother so it's really not that bad is it just given stepmother's a bad rap <laughs> it's bad in the fact that they wanted that to be the only version and it's the editors that really saved us yeah but like what's the motivation in doing seven i guess they just wanted the profit off of it <laughs> <laughs> Indeed they did. They did profit quite a bit off of their stories. Their editors probably weren't as good as they were today. Because if they had to do a re-edition of this, they probably would have caught it the first time and not six versions later. I didn't read every single variation of it. I just read the first and the last. And other than the stepmother and a couple of like symbols throughout and the way the prince took the princess, there wasn't that much variation in the stories. So I'm not 100% sure of what the other five in the middle of the ones that I read say, but they can't have been that different. They literally just added the story to make more money off of the fairy tale books, which another thing that the Grimm brothers uh, were actually scholars. They both went to you know school to better themselves and they needed a creative outlet. And this lawyer had come up to them and asked them to help him collect different stories and fables fairy tales and fables to like uh gather the oral tradition so that they can have it written down they're like oh yeah that sounds like a fun project and so they gathered these and for the guy but it, like a year later the guy like completely abandoned the project and the Grimm brothers jacob and wilhelm were like you know what we have all these stories and like i'm into it what do you do you want to publish a book with me bro yeah, sure, bro. Let's go. I mean, just imagine you're trying to be a lawyer and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, um, I actually want to go into writing stories down instead. Like such a leap, but so accurate to something I would do. Oh, my gosh. I, I play The Sims. I know you do, too. But in Discover University, the literary degree actually helps you become a lawyer. So this is actually quite interesting that it's related. I mean, you do have to be quite articulate to be a lawyer. So it makes sense. But um, yeah, I know a lot about how the Grimm brothers got into collecting the stories and writing them down. But I definitely need to look into Hans Christian Andersen. But I didn't actually look into him because it was a last minute discovery that he has a Snow White version too. And his is pretty different. It's still like the same generic setup that there's an evil queen, Snow White, 
stuff goes down. Jealousy. Yeah. And same moral message, it's just the nuances are totally different. And one thing that I found really interesting was that the step queen, she is actually supposed to be an old nurse in this one. And Snow White picks her to be her new stepmother because the king allows her to pick who she wants as a mother. And then... Because her mother died in childbirth. Yeah. And then she realizes the mistake she made. But it all ends with the queen picking her own death by accident. And she gets thrown into a spiked barrel and rolls to her death. So that was super interesting. And she didn't have to eat Snow White's organs. Yes, in the in uh, the Grimm Brothers version, they actually put hot shoes, hot iron shoes on the queen and make her dance to her death. Um, but in the Hans Christian Andersen version, they put her in a spike barrel. I was just like, ah, no. <laughs> That's so gross. Which one do you think is worse, though? Like, which one would you not want to happen? I feel like the barrel might be quicker. Versus the hot shoes. Yeah, my thing is, like, the barrel is at least going to be probably a quicker death. But the hot shoes sound a little more pleasant because at least it's just your feet burning. No, you can't use the word pleasant. That's not allowed. (laughs) A little more pleasant. No, not pleasant. A little little more tolerable, maybe. Even that's a stretch. It's painful, but your nerves are going to die kind of fast. Like, they only last so long when you're wearing these hot, cold shoes. But then, like... You still have to, like, keep dancing until you pass out. I'd rather go quicker. So, comparing the Grimm Brothers to the Disney version, the uh, the way the prince gets the princess. So, in, in Snow White and the Seven Doors, animated feature-length film, she actually meets the prince before. But in the Grimm Brothers version... They do not meet before. <laughs> and I think that makes this m- more creepy because he just is walking through the woods. So Snow White has been put into a glass coffin with gold trim with her name put on it by the seven dwarves. They're grieving. The prince strolls by, sees this beautiful seven-year-old girl in the original. In the later versions, she doesn't have an age at all. But in the original one, she was seven. He sees a seven-year-old girl laying in a coffin. She's beautiful, a beautiful young lady. And he's like, I need her in my collection, I guess. (laughs) He wanted to keep her with him forever. So he told the dwarves, like, I'll pay you any amount of money that you want. You'll let me keep her. They're like, no, 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 no. She's ours. We love her. And he was like, please, please, I will honor and respect her. Please just give give her to me. And finally, they had mercy on him. And, uh... They're like, oh, I mean, I guess so. If you like, if you love her as much as we do, I guess we can share. (laughs) So they give her to the prince and the prince has his men pick her up. And as they're carrying the coffin to the prince's castle, they, one of the uh, guys trips on a stone, drops the corner of the coffin and kind of burps Snow White and the apple piece that she had eaten lodged out of her dislodged from her throat and she woke up and the prince told her what happened and she fell in love with him and they lived presumably happily ever after until you know they got married and invited the stepmother to the wedding and killed her 
Not sure how happy it can be, though, because, I mean, he's definitely a little creepy. Because, I mean, think about the age difference. They never give an age, but she's seven, and you know there isn't any seven-year-old little man running around the forest just happens upon this queen, well, princess, future queen, and is like, wow, she's really pretty, I want her. No, if he was a seven-year-old, he would be like, ew, girl, death, gross, whatever. So this was a grown man taking the seven-year-old because he wants to stare at her all the time, even though she's dead. Like, it's not a fun time there. But it did say that she consented to going, so I guess it's happy. Yeah, she was. She said it said she loved him, so that sounds like consent to me. Oh, it's just wild that a seven-year-old can consent to getting married. I mean, it's different times back then, but I mean, it's still seven was a little bit on the young side. Yeah, 1812, I mean, if you think about it, wasn't, I mean, it was 200 years ago. I guess that was a long time. I was going to say, it's not that long ago, but I mean, I guess it kind of is. I mean, look how much the world changes in like 100 years, so. Yeah. A lot has changed. So as far as consent, Snow White and Hans Christian Andersen version was only four, or 15. She was only 15. So still a little sketchy, but a little bit better than being seven. <laughs> and I guess the brothers would have gotten backlash for her being so young. So maybe that wasn't even okay then. But they were just going off of what the stories that Buell told them orally had said. Um, they just had to edit them a little bit later down the road. But I do appreciate everything they did as far as recording these stories. Because I really enjoy the oral tradition. It's an art form uh, that they would retell these stories over and over again i know there's a bunch of stories uh, from african cultures that have been passed down that have not been recorded and i would love to be able to read some of those one day if someone out there wants to go and record all of those stories i would support you wholeheartedly and i think that concludes our history section let's jump into the disney version so I think a good way to transition into talking about the Disney version is to start with the art style. And the really cool thing about Disney's production is that they had to invent a new camera in order to get the style that they wanted. And it's called a multiplane camera. And I could go into detail about it, but just to keep it simple, it basically just means that they have a glass plane, a transparent plane, and they can take both of them and just move them around or switch them out as they need to to make it look flowy and not have to do a background a million times when they can just make a really long one and pull it to have that nice flow and they don't have to worry about matching things up too much. Ooh, that's really, really cool. Yeah, I I think it's really cool that they invented it and not only did like it work out really well, but it worked so well that a few other companies started to like try to make their own and that they use this camera for multiple other movies down the line. I think it's most noticeable in Bambi on the opening scene. And if you watch that, like, I think that's a really good feeling of, like, how the camera works. Did they use it on Sleeping Beauty as well for the dancing scene? Um, I'm not exactly sure, like, what scenes they did it for because I wasn't paying attention to the background. Um, the best way to see it is, like, looking at the background to see how it flows because you can kind of see that they're pulling it, not just drawing in the animation. So I'm not sure, but they probably used it for that. They just had the whole room as one piece, and they moved the board with the dance. Yeah, one of my favorite pieces of animation is the Aurora dancing through the woods. It's, it's so cute. 
but we'll talk about that in episode three. <laughs> but speaking of movement, um, a really cool fun fact about it is that the Dwarfs March Home, if you watch that part where they're singing like the high home stuff, yeah, you can see all the different dwarves. They kind of keep in pace with each other, but they walk a little different. Like Grumpy has a more attitude in his walk where Sleepy is a little like looser in his bone structure and Dopey is just completely offbeat the whole time. But because of all the different nuances in each character, they actually took six months to animate that one minute segment. Oh, wow. Six months for a one-minute segment? Are you kidding me? Yeah, imagine, like, you spent all this time, and you finally watch it, and it's like, it's over already? Right. (laughs) I thought it would have been at least ten minutes. Another thing that I noticed was that there was a lot of gags in it, like, a lot of, like, funny bits, visually and audibly, but one of the things that I noticed was when they... Um, we're like peeking over the bed to see what the monster was and like they kind of realize it's Snow White it's just the top of their face and then once they get like a little more comfortable the noses pop up and it goes boop 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 and that is actually a gag that Disney paid five dollars for like the artist to do because they wanted it to be as funny as possible so that people would come see this first long animation the full feature length and in order to like get people there, he figured, oh, comedy sells well. Let's make this as funny as possible. I'll pay any animator to come up with a funny gag to put in there, and you'll get $5. Just if, like, if it makes it, you get an extra on top of what you're already making. Yes, and that $5 today with inflation is worth $93.03 in 2021. And that's just crazy (laughs) he was paying almost a hundred dollars for a gag for gags and one of my favorite ones that they ended up using was actually the scene where they're dancing with snow white and they stack themselves and like put the coat on oh i love that scene i that's so cute i i love that one it's precious and dopey be like hey girl how you doing but like no words because he don't talk because he's never tried (laughs) But imagine getting paid $100 for every time you make a joke at work. Like, that's living the <laughs> life. But I think that wraps up about the art animation. The other only, like, interesting thing about it that I'll mention is that they had over 2 million sketches and over 750 artists working on the project. Yes, that is such a massive project, especially since the company was about to go under. Um, they had already made all of the Mickey Mouse short films. Or they had started making them. Obviously, they didn't make all of them before Snow White. But they were making them, and the studio was losing money. And Walt and his family put in all of their life savings into Snow White, hoping that it would be successful. And this was the first feature-length film that had ever been created, animated. And aren't we all glad that it was such a success? Because without it, we wouldn't have... We wouldn't have met, we wouldn't have done our college program at a Disney park, and we wouldn't have had all of these beautiful, beautiful animated films that we know and love. The funny thing is that his wife actually thought that the movie was going to bomb, and like she was really scared because all their money's tied up into this, and she didn't think the public would like it. And now, here we are. A lot of time has passed, and people are still loving the movie. Yeah, and they gave their kids all of the financial security they could ever dream of. 
So we can talk a little bit about the animators. There was this group called Disney's Nine Old Men, and the Nine Old Men was actually a play on uh, Supreme Court justices, but they had there was Disney's Nine Old Men. They were staples in his animation studio, Disney Walt Disney Animation Studio, and uh, they had worked together because so, back then they were the Nine Young Men. <laughs> but of course, over the everyone gets older, so over the ages they got older and they. Um, have this nickname and it's this is an elite group of animators and everyone knows about them there's this beautiful documentary on disney plus about uh frank and ollie and their animating journeys i saw that one that one was really cute and one of the animators actually worked on uh jimmy cricket and because there's a line in snow white and they say oh jimmy cricket but it's like a kind of a catchphrase, kind of like, a, oh, darn, Jiminy Cricket. and But Jiminy Cricket became a character later on in Pinocchio. And I think that's so much fun that they were able to incorporate that. And it kind of like creates this this loop and kind of connects the films a little bit. Something I saw about that animator was that he actually almost quit after working on Snow White because they weren't going to use two of the scenes that he spent all his time on. And he got really upset because, I mean, it takes ton of time to just make one minute so he put a ton of work into this and just to have them say "Mm, it's not as funny as the other scenes I I get why he tried to leave but Walt Disney convinced him to stay because he was such an amazing artist and because of this belief that Walt had in him he stayed and made a character that everyone recognizes now yes of course and we've kind of talked about the difference in actual storylines um, if you've seen the, if you're here, you've probably seen the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves animated feature film. Um, and you've heard us talk about the Grimm brothers and Hans Christian Andersen's version of Snow White. So you kind of have heard the differences and how it's a little bit more kind. Snow White is a kind character. Um, in the original one, we didn't mention it earlier, but the dwarves were super clean in, in the fairy tale versions. And in the animated film, Snow White comes in and does the cleaning, and she has the help of all of her animal friends. So I think that's a really interesting comparison. And on that note, I think we can move right into talking about the pop culture and the impact that she has had. So when we discuss the impact that Snow White has had on pop culture, I think the biggest thing that Snow White has done for pop culture and our culture in general is has been how many adaptations of her story that there have been so the Grimm brothers had seven adaptations but there have been over 55 different variations in visual media of Snow White's story and that is just mind-blowing because I saw on the list of different Snow White adaptations of and some of them were in foreign language and some of them were missing so I was like Okay, I know that this one exists, but it's not on the list. So it was an incomplete list, but over 55 pieces of visual media for Snow White. I looked at that list too, and I think the thing that stood out to me the most on that list was that Betty Boop had a version of Snow White, and I do regret watching that one. I wouldn't recommend it, but the really cool thing about that one is that the person who was on that team for Betty Boop he was actually working with Disney at one point to come up with a concept art for Snow White and what her look should be. And 
I think it'd be really interesting to see what that version would be with a Betty Boop version Snow White. But looking at the art, I'm really glad that they went with a different direction on that one. Yeah, no offense to the Betty Boop group, but I don't like the style of Betty Boop's animation and her look, her stick eyelashes and her uh, vampiness. <laughs> Keep family friendly, but I don't like I don't like Betty Boop. <laughs> but like the the good thing about that is that they didn't go with that because Disney wanted her to look younger because where the version that was originally done she was supposed to be seven and then Hans had her at 15 and he wanted to go with that teenager vibe but didn't want to make her like overly sexualized or anything she he still wanted her to have that young accent to her he wanted her to have like the rounded shape that fit that time period yes because she was modeled after the beauty standards of 1937 and Betty Boop was just a little too old. <laughs> um, but on the list of things, I saw one that stood out to me. It was called The Charmings. And it was a series. It had two seasons in the early 1980s. And I was able to watch one of the episodes on YouTube. And it's the most beautiful piece of visual media I've ever seen in my life. It was completely hideous and beautiful at the same time <laughs> like you know the actor that plays brock in reba yeah i love him he plays prince charming in the charmings no way. i'm gonna have to look this up i need to see him in it i need to see the photos because at first like because the quality of it was so grainy i couldn't tell it was him like he had his like you know gorgeous hair but when he spoke i was like brock stop it oh my gosh that's <laughs> like this is iconic like what <laughs> so that was uh the version that stood out to me the most on that list and like how many different actresses have played snow white is quite remarkable but my favorite we can talk about our favorites is um once upon a time i absolutely love what they did with snow white's character in once upon a time up until a certain point like we don't we don't talk about 3b forward <laughs> yeah i love her version of that i love that snow white in that version is like really true to the core of like being a strong powerful woman while still being like dainty at times just like playing that part up and the fact that she ended up saving the prince's life like multiple times i thought that was a really cool adaptation of it Yes, absolutely. Because I am, I would classify myself as a feminist, but I believe in celebrating every form of femininity. And I believe that that captures all forms of femininity. I agree. We need to have that balance in there. Absolutely. But for, for my favorite, I actually really like the Sydney White in the Seven Dwarves. I really like the direction that they took with having uh, Sydney White by Lay by Abana Vines, like, fallen in love with her guy slowly rather than just like suddenly near the end and I also liked that they gave the prince more character and made him very charitable there's just like a lot of nods to both the original and Disney's version in that film yes and did you know that the reason the prince wasn't featured in the animated film as much was because it was so difficult to get his movements correct 
because they wanted the two, you know, humans, Prince and Snow White, to be as realistic as possible. Whereas with the dwarves, they were able to uh, make it more of a caricature and make it a little more like floppy and make their bodies do different things. Um, but the, the prince was super hard for them to get right. So that's why he's only in there two times. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's really cool, though. And it makes a lot of sense because it's really hard to get the human body down in general. And they were working with just like mirrors in front of them. Where it's kind of cool that now you can put up a video of someone walking, put in slow motion, and really break it down. So and doing caricatures does sound a lot easier, especially when they have to do so many frames. Did you have a least favorite version? I mentioned that I didn't like the Betty Boop version that I saw. Um, I mean, just because Snow White is not my favorite princess, like... I I don't watch all of the adaptations of her, so I don't have a least favorite. But I mean, I didn't watch the Betty Boop, but I would I would say that Betty Boop would be the least favorite because I just don't like her in general. Do you think that uh, Snow White in the original version? So we'll we'll talk about it in two different sections: the original and the animated. Do you think that she's a good role model for the original? Definitely not. But, I mean, their goal wasn't to create a role model. It was just for the lesson. So I see why they didn't have that part in there. But, I mean, the fact that she didn't learn her lesson and almost got herself killed four times really says a lot about how you should not be following her direction of opening up the door for strangers multiple times. I concur. Yeah. Her purpose in the original was different than what her purpose was in the animated feature film. So yeah, I would have to agree that she was not the best role model in that one. But I will say that people harp on Snow White in her film, but I think it's unwarranted because if you think about it, you have to be a really kind and gentle person to be able to get animals to follow one follow you, two to help you find a house. They helped her they led her to the dwarves' house. And they helped her clean the house. Like, I can't get my animals to help me. So that is just a testament to her character and, like, her goodness. Like, yes, she was beautiful. That's why everyone had mercy on her all the time is because she was beautiful. But on the inside, she was kind, too. And I think that is something that little girls and boys can look up to and say, yeah, she's, she's just a nice, kind-hearted person. I agree. Another way you can see that she's good on the inside and out is that she sees this old woman who we know is the queen and she doesn't expect anything of her. She just sees this old lady selling her goods and she's like, oh, like, you must be tired. Like, what are you selling? Like, I'd love to consider it. And then when she gets injured, she's like, oh, just come on into my cottage. And even though the animals are like throwing themselves at this old woman she's like oh no no shoo off like what has this old lady done to you like treat her with kindness some people would instantly judge based on the hag queen's looks and snow white just instantly treated her with kindness yeah that is just a complete 180 from when you watch what uh, the prince did in beauty and the beast <laughs> not he was not nice to anyone <laughs> Yeah, the Beast is definitely not a role model, but we'll get into that in a different podcast. Yeah. I think in conclusion, uh, we can just say don't talk to strangers, 
but be nice to people that might need help. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good message. Yeah, <laughs> a message I can get behind. Um, and then as as a group, people talk about Snow White and like they're a little more lenient on her character because she's the first one. So her being the first official Disney princess has given her uh, a grace, so to speak, for the public, the general public, because at least Disney fans, I shouldn't say general public, in Disney fan culture, um, because she's the first, she set the stage, she set the tone for how Disney does literally everything else, every other feature film that they've ever done, because this was the first one. It was the first feature film, and it was the very, very first princess. So thank you so much to all of the animators that worked on this film, even though you're definitely not listening to this podcast. <laughs> we send our thanks and our gratitude as Disney fans. So one of the things that I enjoy about Disney films in general is the music. I always have a Disney song stuck in my head. Today, it was definitely Whistle While You Work because I was editing other things and <laughs> was working on getting this podcast ready for everyone. And that was something that was in my head. I really like the soundtrack for this movie too. Not because like I like grew up listening to the soundtrack. I actually just watched Snow White recently. But um I found the songs to be like really catchy and I I've, I've been singing them all day. So I would say that the music is a good like probably an eight out of ten for me. I would listen to it again for sure, but definitely not my favorite overall Dizzy soundtrack. Yeah, I would agree. It's definitely not my favorite. Um she's not my favorite princess it's not my favorite movie and it's not my favorite soundtrack but that doesn't negate the fact that i still love and enjoy the story and everything that they did to create it so what is your favorite song when you watch it i don't know it's hard to pick a specific one but um my favorite part in a song is definitely when she is singing into the well and you hear the echo back I thought that was super creative and definitely like stands out in your mind. Yeah, especially for the time whenever they were just learning how to do things and make the film that 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 was iconic for sure. One of my favorites is Someday My Prince Will Come just because I like the vocals. I'm a soprano, so I like to go high <laughs> with my voice and that allows me to do that. Um, everything she sings is fun for me to sing along with, but that one is... Uh, I like the tune and the, the melody and the notes, which are all the same thing. But I like it. I love it. Want some more of it? I also like how she's singing about, like, someday my prince will come. But she's not actively looking for her prince either, really, throughout the movie. Because all these things are happening to her. And she's still not hyper-focused on finding the guy. She's more focused on just finding somewhere comfortable to live and being helpful. Like, I think she had her head on pretty straight for a young girl. I mean, definitely not, like, the best thing throughout the film, but when you take her age in, like, I think that the music really set the tone for who she was, and you can't falter on her age. For sure. And to our listeners, you can head over to our Reddit, Disney A History Pod, and tell us what you love about Snow White. Uh, we want to keep this a happy and inviting community, um, I've said she's not my favorite, but I'm not, like, I don't hate her. <laughs> I love the, all of the characters that Disney's created. Um, and I want us to talk about all the things we love about Snow White and to um, 
start building a community. And you can do that over on our Reddit. And we look forward to hearing uh, all of your thoughts and comments. And you can give us feedback on how this podcast went today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Disney A History. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. For further discussions, join us on our Reddit. For bonus content, you can find us on TikTok and YouTube. See you real soon! Thank you.